Good morning. After 37 years of mission and ministry in the Covenant Church, I've finally made it to Naperville Covenant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really happy to be here this morning. As Pastor Leslie gave you a little bit of my background, uh, it's been a little over 10 years since I came to be to serve as director of Covenant World Relief. And all these 37 years of mission and ministry have been marvelous. But this is the peak. <laughs> this has been amazing. To be able to serve with people like Anna in Monterey, these partners, our tagline, as you can see, is Partners in Transformation, because we believe that there are... We don't just believe it. We, we are in relationship with amazing people around the world that God is using. And in the Evangelical Covenant Church, we get to stand alongside them. And I hope you get a little taste of that today. I want to thank... There are some individuals who have been faithful supporters of Covenant World Relief from Naperville Covenant Church. And I want to thank you. Thank you for the church that also participates. We need your help now, actually more now than ever. Because... The director of Covenant World Relief, that would be me, in the last few years, God has led us into some new exciting places. And the opportunities are all there. We just have to raise the funds to be able to do it all. And that's become a challenge for us. I still believe that Covenant World Relief is one of the best kept secrets in the covenant. We have been attempting to improve our communication um, we have, as Pastor Leslie said, we have a lot out there. We have Facebook, we have emails, we have uh, printed updates. We believe that when people hear, it's a time that people will, n- will not only just be excited about the, what the covenant is doing, but say, hey, we get to be a part of that? And one of the reasons why we need your help is because we are, even though we're part of the ECC, we are outside the budget. We raise 100% of all that we do. But I want you to know that at least 90% of that goes to partners. In the video, it said there are four requests. And the bottom request you've already fulfilled this morning. It said, invite a Covenant World Relief rep to your church. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I'm here today to, to share about some amazing things that God is doing. You know that the Syrian... Uh, refugee crisis is among, if not the top, refugee crisis in the world right now. We have the, because of our relationship with partners, we have the privilege of being able to work with some very desperate refugees in the country of Lebanon. If you don't know where Lebanon is, it's right next to Israel. It's a little dinky country, the population of four million people. Do you know how many refugees they have? Beside the 4 million, they have 1.5 million Syrian refugees. On top of that, they have 300,000 Palestinian refugees. There are a lot of desperate people in Lebanon. But we have the privilege of being able to work with refugees there and in many other countries. Yemen has been called by the United Nations the greatest humanitarian disaster for the last two years. The civil war has caused tremendous suffering. And because of that, basic needs like food, shelter, clean water, sanitation are all needs. Because of relationships, though, we are able to be engaged 
in the work in Yemen. Sometimes Covenant World Relief in the past, you know, we have a history of over 70 years being the humanitarian aid ministry of the covenant. Some people just associated us with disaster response, immediate response. And that's true. Recently, you saw the devastation in the Bahamas. And I was amazed. Covenanters just flooded us, literally flooded us with phone calls, emails saying, what are we doing? We want to give. And we were able to donate generously to the relief that is going on and will continue to go on for years in the Bahamas. But we believe that disaster response, while absolutely necessary, is only part of what God is doing in all of our lives, and that is transforming us. And so we want to be a part of a longer-term work. And most of what Covenant World Relief is engaged with through partners around the world is long-term transformational development. Today we had the privilege of having uh, the Scripture read from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7. through 7. If you've grown up in the church, I would assume that this is not the first time you've heard this passage. But I hope today you can hear and think about it and see it afresh. I think, I think in this passage we learn a tremendous amount about the amazing God that we serve. First of all, the main character of the story is a widow. And I'm here to tell you this morning that widows are not just old people. (laughs) I'm here to tell you this morning that widows were not just back in the old days. We, the, the world is filled with widows. Think of all the conflicts in the world. You know, the Evangelical Covenant Church of South Sudan and Ethiopia, they have a tremendous work with widows because that country has been in conflict. Well, it's the newest country in the world officially, South Sudan. Uh, it was formed as a country in 2011. But in, since 2013, there's been a civil war. Fifty-some years before that, they've been fighting with the Arab North. A lot of people dying in that part of the world. A lot of men in conflict, which means when they get killed, there are widows. Widows are among the most vulnerable people in the world, even today. Because in many places, when a woman's husband dies, her property is taken from her. Her house is taken from her. Sometimes her children are taken from her. In many places, too, once... She loses her husband. She loses protection. And in some cultures, she is seen to be available to be taken and used by any man. It's a desperate situation. And this woman was very desperate because her husband, who was a faithful follower of the Lord, also left her with a debt. And so she comes to the prophet and she says, they're going to take my sons. The prophet's response was the most natural response in his first question. And I would hope that all of us would ask that question to her, to this desperate widow, and that is, what can I do to help? In the face of desperation, what can I do to help? But it's the second question that I think sometimes we forget to ask. And it's the second question that shows me that Elisha has a deep, profound understanding about how our God works. 
Because it's the second question that's on the screen that says, what do you, I believe the emphasis is on you, what do you have in your house? So what can I do to help you? But then what do you have in your house? The widow, basically she says, I got nothing. Oh yeah, maybe a little bit of oil. Now the prophet knows. And in the face of abject poverty, in the face of of oppression, in the face of very difficult situations, the first response is always among the poor. Oh, they've got nothing. We've got to do something for them. But the prophet knows better. He's just going along. And he says, okay, this is what I want you to do. Go around and, and gather jars. Don't gather just a few. Gather them from your neighbors and get as many as you can get. And then we're going to see what God's going to do. So the prophet knew that this woman had more than just a little bit of oil. He wasn't going to give her an economic development lesson right there. <laughs> but he understood. And he understood how God works. So let me just, you just call it, what else does this woman have besides a little bit of oil? She's got two sons. Amazing asset. What else? Pardon? Willingness, community, friends, a house. She's probably got her health. There's probably several other things, but that's the thing. Joshua is, he says, I, I know how God works, and I know that God works with what we have, so you've got to tell me what you've got. Now, as far as friends, I think that's kind of the key to the story, right? If this had been a kind of unfriendly, reclusive woman, how many jars would she have gotten? She was blessed. We know that she was blessed. Why? Because when this amazing work of God, where the oil just keeps pouring and pouring, and she's setting them aside, her sons are helping her do this, just keeps pouring, finally, when the last jar is there, the oil stops. And she, she calls the prophet who comes and looks at it. He's not surprised. This is how God works. He says, over here, all this oil you got, use this to pay off your debt. Debt-free, instantaneously. Her debt is gone. And over here, you can live on what's left. This is the God that we serve. You know, Jesus, in the famous story that's in all four Gospels, in fact, there's a couple different times when Jesus fed thousands, right? In Matthew, he's actually, he, he says to the followers, uh, you know, the people have been here for three days. They're hungry. We don't want to send them away. Let's feed them. What's the response of the followers? We, we don't know all that was going on, but probably inside they're going, are you crazy? He said there's 4,000 men. You put the women, you put the children on top of that. Thousands of people. And he says you feed them. And then he asks them this question. Uh, how many loaves do we have? How many loaves do we have? And they come back with, uh, we got seven. Seven loaves for thousands of people. And a few fish. And what happens? We all know, right? He just starts, he prays, gives thanks, starts feeding. And everybody had enough, right? 
and there were leftovers. This is the God we serve. In Exodus, you got Moses standing in front of the burning bush, right? He's trembling because God's talking about having him lead the children of Israel out of slavery. And he's not very confident. So God said, okay, teach him a lesson. He asked him the question. You remember what the question he asked Moses? Thank you. (laughs) What do you have in your hand? What did Moses say? I got a stick. Actually, most translations say staff. It sounds more spiritual. But it's a stick. It's a stick. And then God shows through some miracles right there that he can do some great things with that stick. And actually what he ended up doing was using that stick to get water from a rock. He used that stick to part the Red Sea. God took what Moses had and did his amazing work in his kingdom. I'm here today to to share that this is the God not just of the past. This is the God of the present. You know, we have one of our partners called the Hindustani Covenant Church. It's the largest partner of Covenant World Relief located in India. They have, we have several programs going with them. Last year we had 93 around the world and at least eight or nine were with the Hindustani Covenant Church. And one of the areas of expertise is water and sanitation. And they've been doing this long before the relationship with the ECC and Covenant World Relief. They were actually started by the Mission Covenant Church of Sweden about 60-some years ago. But in the 60s, they came up with this audacious goal of a, a thousand wells for India. It's a little church. The whole denomination was barely, was less than a thousand people. And they said, we're going to put a thousand wells in India. And you know what? Within 20 years, they did it. They had a, a missionary from Sweden, Oscar Carlson, who was an engineer. And they'd been developing hand pumps. And UNICEF heard about this little tiny church and the amazing work they're doing. And UNICEF came and said, okay, this hand pump is good, but we want you to make it better. So would you make it longer lasting and more effective? And we'll help you with it. So this missionary and the local church leaders together who had been so involved in water developed a pump. And in 1986, it was dedicated as the India Deep Well Mark, India Mark II Deep Well Hand Pump. UNICEF began promoting it throughout India and then began promoting it throughout the world. Do you know today, there are at least three million of those hand pumps in the world? If you've traveled around the world, You've probably seen it. In fact, there's a model on my table. That's one good reason to go there afterwards. You can see this pump. It's all over Africa. It's it, when I go to Haiti, I see it all over the place. You just see this pump. And it all comes from this little church. It's now a bigger church. They now have about 30,000 members. But when they did it, there was less than 1,000 members in their church. God took that church and he's blessed the whole world. If you do the math, it means hundreds of millions of people have access to clean water and sanitation because of that pump. This is the God we serve. Being a part of Covenant World Relief has helped me 
grow as a person because I'll tell you, just growing up in Seattle, Washington, kind of uh, in a very um, sheltered life, not traveling when I was a kid, and then to begin this journey of crossing cultures and being in other places, God has helped me see him in a whole new life light and has helped me come to understand how he works because we work with partners that are constantly teaching me. So there's a... What you just saw in the video is an organization in Monterrey, Mexico, actually started by Covenant Missionaries a little over almost 25 years ago. They're going to celebrate their 25th anniversary in February. Fundafam. They actually live in a really at-risk community where drug cartels have been. I think they've gotten rid of most of them now. There's still violence. There's gangs. There's a a high school dropout rate. There's a high teen pregnancy rate. There's abject poverty. You know, as they work with the children in that community, they're not just saying, we're just, we're just reaching out and hoping these children come to know Jesus. Of course that's true. We hope they grow up and be good followers of Jesus. Of course that's true. You know what they're doing? They're saying, we're looking for the future leaders of our organization. And, and I've been going there for several years now, and some of those little kids that they started working with are now leading Fundafam. I was there a few years ago, and they put, there were 24 people lined up there, and only two of them had not come through the program. They knew, what do you have in your community? We've got the future leaders of our organization. In South Africa, there's an organization called Zemele Wetu. Sorry. It will come back to that. <laughs> back to India. There's an organization called the Hindustani Covenant Church that's also working in anti-human trafficking in the red light district of Pune. Gongobai was deceived and sold to a brothel when she was a little girl. She spent 15 years working in the red light district. Somehow, a God-ordained meeting with some people from the Hindustani Covenant Church changed her life. She was able to come out. Her life was transformed. Hindustani Covenant Church said, hmm, Seems like God is leading us into a new ministry here. Who's going to lead it? And I will say, most of the leaders were men, and they're going, we can't go into that and (laughs) lead a ministry in anti-human trafficking. So they thought, wait a second. Most qualified person is Gungabai. She's got the experience. What do you got in the community? We got Gungabai. She knows people. She's been living there for 15 years. She became the leader. And then Panna... Panna, someone in the community, helped find a place that they were able to remodel for the children of the commercial sex workers. Right there, people in the community. Those that come out actually go to a place called the Home of Hope. Some of you were probably involved with Break the Chains a long time ago. Some of the funds from Break the Chains helped build the Home of Hope. This is a place for women who come out to be counseled, to to be rehabilitated, to be taught job skills, to worship together, to live together, to be supported, and eventually to be sent out again in a safe environment. One of the, one of the wonderful things that this group does is they make communion wafers to help sustain the ministry. And I don't know if you've used them at this church before, Uh, We have them available. I don't have any with me this morning, but I can get them to you easily. These women uh, rejoice in the new life 
that they now have, the transformed life that they are now living. And as they make these wafers, they have said, and it's on the package, we used to sell our flesh. We now have the privilege of making the body of Christ. All starting with what do you have in your community? We've got experienced women. Transformed women. Now we're back to South Africa. There are women who have been part of a concept called self-help groups. It's just women getting together, starting small businesses together, doing some savings together, um, becoming almost like little churches, little house churches together. And when I was there in the community of Masinga, I saw these women walking down the road and they said, there's two of our women right there. And I said, wow, they're carrying water on their head. It's kind of cool. Would you ask them if I could take their photo? So they asked and they gave me permission. It doesn't look like they're really happy with me taking the photo, but they said yes. But when I took the photo, the director of Zimele Wetu said, you probably think they're carrying water for their families. I said, yeah, aren't they? She said, no. They're actually carrying water for a family where the, the father is is uh, ill and not able to work. And the mother has had to travel some distance to work for low wages to try to support the family. So they go in and they take care of the yard. They do the laundry. Um, They cook. They carry water. These are women who are perceived by much of the world as living in poverty who now have been blessed by God, changed, and now they are being change agents in their own community. And so when we're leaving, they said, oh, that's widow so-and-so. She was living on the edge of town and because she was way out there, she was getting robbed. And we said, no, we can't let this happen. So these women, these from the world's perspective, very poor women, but women whose lives have been changed said, we want you to come into the center. And they got her a piece of property. They built her a house with their own hands. And now they have taken her in as someone they're caring for. And when I went to visit after the house was completed, she was just, her hands were up the whole time. She just kept praising God for now being safe and in the community because of these women who themselves had helped bring about change in her life. What do you have in your community? We've got transformed women who are transforming others. She's so proud of her house. I mentioned earlier, sometimes the poor... There's such abject poverty that when we talk, we talk about the poor, we just assume they have nothing. But here in Somaliland, where I went last March, we're part of a program there that it's a savings program. Do you know these women, from the beginning, they save 30 cents, some of them a week, some of them every two weeks. And most of them at the beginning said, we have nothing, but they convinced them, just, just see what happens. And these 30-cent savings that they all do as a group, about 15 women in a group, over time builds up and they're able to start small businesses. And they're so proud that before they were able to do nothing, they had no income and they were oppressed by the culture, oppressed by their husbands. And now they have power and they have the ability to earn an income to take care of their families. So they did have something. They had a little bit of money. And, you know, we, we saw some that have been a part of it for a couple of years. And you can see the difference. Normally, when you go into a community like this, the women have their heads down. They won't look at you. They won't talk with you. These were women 
who have been changed. They were confident. All because someone believed in them and said, you've got something. One of the things that we as North Americans sometimes uh, we assume that good mission is is going out and doing things for others. And I don't want to step on any toes, but I think this has been a huge mistake. Because we've robbed people of dignity, we've robbed people of opportunity, we've robbed people of the chance to be able to do things for themselves. And I'm telling you, a a couple months ago I was in Honduras, and I've been going almost every year. There's an organization called Cose Pradil, and they know these people are the hardest working people in the world. (laughs) They're amazing. And they do water systems there. And in these water systems, guess who does all of the work? It's the people. They're trained. The men say, by the end, the men say basically we're, we're all plumbers and we're ready to help others. And they're so proud of what they've accomplished. Not what somebody else has done for them, but what they've done. And they're also contributing funds. They're also forming their own board for sanitation and maintenance of the water system. And when you get to the place where it's completed, they have a big celebration. And this woman was holding up her jar and she said, I thought that I was destined to carry water every day multiple times and she said now we have water in our community and she took that jar and she threw it in the air and she screamed out never again and it came down with a crash and I got a piece of it (laughs) this is what I keep in my office when she prayed her prayer of thanksgiving she said God thank you for these people who have helped us, but thank you for what you've allowed us to do to be able to complete this water system. Expertise. Gomali is a woman who lives in Laos who God gifted uh, in amazing ways. She's a believer in a communist country that is set on destroying the church. But the leaders recognize that she's a gifted woman. She started these large co-ops. One of them is called Mulberries, and it's a silk-producing uh, organization. All, from, all the way from the, getting the manure from chickens and cows to be able to grow the mulberry bushes, um, to raise, to feed to the silkworms, to then when the silkworms make their cocoon, to spin the thread, to eventually weaving this beautiful fabric. She knows... That what do they have in their community? They've got women who for generations have been weavers. She just needed to organize them and raise their expertise. And now they are able to actually support their families because of the quality of the work that they're doing. Gongabai, I'm sorry, not Gongabai, uh, Gomali also is raising up young people. And in the agreement that she writes with the parents, they come in for training. It's two to three years of training. She has an agreement that says, when your young people come, you must agree to allow us to let them study the Bible. And these young people are going to be going back to their communities as leaders. And when we were there, the the, the young people were there, and she said, see that group right there? All of them have been baptized. (laughs) This group is on the way to being baptized, and we're praying that these these young people will be baptized soon. In Kenya, there's an organization called Jito Keze. And a young woman leading it, who is Pini. Pini believes 
that we can do all the economic development, agricultural development, empowerment, but without peace and reconciliation, we cannot make great progress. And so she's always talking peace. And in fact, this, some of you know, when you take a long piece of rope and two sides pull, uh, one side pulls the other over the line, that's called a tug of war. With her staff, she does the tug of peace, where we all pull together for the good of all. And this peace that they talk about out in the countryside where there's a lot of conflict, it's making a difference in the community. These people themselves begin to recognize we've been living in conflict. With These are the Pocots and their neighbors are the Marquettes. And they've had so much good happen in their lives, spiritually, economically. But they're saying we're still in conflict with that group over there. So they went to the group and said, let's work together in something. Let's farm together. So they got a piece of property. They tilled the soil. They planted the seed. They cared for the crop. And when harvest time came, they harvested the crop. And guess what they did with the crop? They shared with each other. Just that process of coming together, working together, has helped them bring peace to their community. Peacemakers in their own community. What do we have in our community? A local church. There's no greater asset to any community than the local church. Naperville is here for a reason and has, had, has been here for, some of you may know, I'm sure it's decades and decades, but it's, God has placed Naperville here to be his agent of transformation in this Naperville and the surrounding communities. Ron and I were just in Ecuador two weeks ago and we got to meet some of the members of the La Victoria Covenant Church in Manta, And in Manta, in that region, there was a serious earthquake in 2016 that left hundreds of people dead, left people devastated. This church, just as soon as the earthquake happened, they went into action. They said, what do we have in our own church? And they used their own resources. They took an offering. And some of the business owners... Uh, small business owners had some old vehicles. They said, we'll use the vehicles. They had some employees. They said, okay, you work to, 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 to do some of the relief work and you'll still get your regular salary. The church went into action. And you know, that was 2016 spring. Do you know today they are still working because it's going to be years for the long-term recovery. We got to meet uh, different people who have been given an opportunity to restart their lives and start small businesses met this woman last year and then this year. She has a very sad story. Her, she had gone to Guayaquil. While she was gone, the earthquake happened. Her house collapsed, and her husband and two children were crushed to death. She was devastated. She was not part of a church. She, she started drinking heavily. She was, she was in a, almost a psychotic, catatonic state. But eventually, with a lot of patience, prayer, care, this church helped her recover her health, spiritual, physical, mental health. And eventually she was able to start this business. And last year, Ron and I got to be there when we dedicated the business. Last week we went back and she's expanded and she's excited. She's got a picture of her husband and two kids up there. She's dedicated it to them. But it's amazing to see how this church has helped bring about transformation of people like this. So I leave you this morning with these three questions. It's, it's for me too, so I'm not just asking you. It's what, what do we have in our house? What do you have in your house? Some of our first responses are often not very much. Just a little jar of oil. What good is that? Or remember, God takes whatever we have. And then what do we have 
in Naperville Covenant Church. I'm sure if we had time today to go around, we would hear story after story of the of the giftedness and expertise and experience of people here that have much to offer, both here locally and beyond. And then finally, what do you have in your community? As the Neighborville Covenant Church serves as an agent of change and transformation in this community, you know that there's others that are also involved, other churches, other organizations that we can join together to increase the impact. So these are the three questions that let us think about as right now as we go to prayer and see what God says to you. God, we thank you so much that you are a God who continues to take whatever is available, multiply it, use it for your glory and for your kingdom, and we get to be a part of it. We thank you for that privilege. Father, I do pray for all in this church, Naperville Covenant Church, as individuals, as families, you would take whatever is in their house. You would take all that is in this church and what is in this community. And we look forward to the amazing ministries that you will do here and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.